Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. At the time of recording, Bayern have just played Mainz in the Bundesliga and joining me to go through all of the action is somebody who's been on the uh, guest on our pod uh, before. He's a Bayern fan and one of the hosts of the Super Bayern Podcast amongst wearing several other hats as far as being a creative uh, person in the world of, of football. It's, uh, it's Tim Richards. Tim, welcome back to the pod. Uh, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. I'm doing all right. Thank you. Um, New Year, same me, same Bayern uh, and uh, same podcast. So some of those things are are better than the others. I'm delighted to be back. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great to have you back. This New Year's um, been quite a mixed start for me. Um, Personally, I uh, twisted my ankle not playing football, but after I successfully had a nice kickabout, I twisted it walking home from playing football. So a bit of oh, a, that's very unfortunate. I'm sorry yeah, to hear that. Quick letdown. Hopefully, it's uphill from here. Just like the remnants of 2020, I can't quite shake them shake them yet. But um, no. anyway, yeah, onwards and upwards. <laughs> um, I guess maybe uh, I'll bust out a better icebreaker because I was looking at your your Twitter as uh, we like to do when we have guests. And last time we asked you about the mints, but something else yes. that I noticed was a, a GIF that you had um, associated with one of your your tweets, and it's of uh, bubbles from Trailer Park Boys the popular Canadian show. And he's like kind of blinking away through his quite thickly uh, rimmed uh, glasses. So on that note of, um, I guess, four eyes from from TV, who's your favorite? Yeah, four eyes character from either TV or movie besides Bubbles, I guess, or or just like comics or or anything else. Um, I'll say George Costanza. I know that we actually mentioned Seinfeld the last time I was here. I'm a massive Seinfeld fan. And so I am a big fan of, George Costanza, Jason Alexander. I've never actually seen uh, Trailer Park Boys. I've heard great things. I saw that gif apropos of nothing like, like a good couple of years ago. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, this guy's glasses are so thick. This is amazing. And so it's, it's like a very, it's a very vivid thing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's probably my answer. Is that, is that the right answer? Yeah, actually, yeah, I was just about to praise your answer because it was above and beyond what anything that I could come up with. I was sort of like drawn to more cartoon things like Millhouse from The Simpsons or uh, even is it from, I don't know if it would ever have been like televised or turned into a film, but is it Waldo or a Wally? Depending on where uh, you are in yeah. the world, I think he has a yeah, different it's, name. It's, it's Wally over here. Yeah. Okay. I think in America it's Waldo perhaps, mm. um, but yeah, and in fact, I guess that now that I look behind me at the Arsenal scarf, that kind of like reminds me of uh, Wally or Waldo. Uh, his yeah, it's it's very reminiscent. Arsenal fan, apparently. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, moving on to to the game that we were mentioning uh, earlier, and um, Bayern, I think heading into today, were second place. Maybe like had a game in hand on Leipzig, I believe. Otherwise, Mainz were second bottom. So just before we dive into the action on the field, what were your impressions of the Bayern team sheet? heading in and sort of your expectations going into the game it's kind of this was the this was the back line this was more or less the back line with the exception of Pavard we had and Kimmich right back this was the back line that played the last uh like the last few games of the Champions League season so on paper you think this is a championship winning side no that's that's sadly not how things are done at Bayern um there's there's like a, a clear problem with Bayern's defense, and that was kind of that was evident in the Champions League last season as well. It was just something about these players that it seemed like we got away with a, with quite a lot, like the fact that we were going up against like Neymar, Di Maria, and Mbappe with a, like quite a slow and not strictly mobile Jerome Boateng. David Alaba, who is not really a centre-back, but will be commanding fees as if he is like a world-class centre-back wherever he goes. The fact that we managed to get away with it was like a huge relief, but it seems to have really caught up with us now. So this game was, I believe, the eighth game in a row that we've conceded first. Um, and like kind of early on, like we managed to get past the the 20, like the 20 minute mark. I think they scored after, I think it was after about like 30 minutes, maybe. Um, but when I saw, like when I saw the team sheet, it's something that in on paper looks like it should be perfect. But like if you've seen Bayern, even just a little bit over the past few weeks, or like back when back when they were playing at the end of last season, 
you, you kind of knew what was going to happen. It's like frustratingly predictable at times. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, sadly, you, we got away with it again. Um, but I, I imagine that's something that we'll, that we'll touch on. Um, but like the attack is good and like the defense is the thing that, that stands out. Um, but like we had both Sane and Gnabry starting and neither of them have been in great form. You can tell that they're kind of missing like just a little bit of confidence or like they're in two minds about whether to shoot or to pass. Um, but otherwise, like this was, I think any Bayern fan would look at this and think, I've got a rough idea of what's going to happen here. Mm. Well, speaking about what happened, I guess, yeah, there was an early scare, I believe, from the eventual scorer of the first goal. I'm going to try not to butcher his name, Burkhart, who Burkhart, impressed yeah. me, especially in the first half, when Mainz were more impressive in the game. But um, Neuer made the save, and... The game kind of turned into a bit of attack versus defense. That was sort of how the, the first half went. And to be honest with you, in the first half, yeah, Mainz were the better attacking and defending side. And so it played out how it played out. The first goal, you spoke about sort of like the predictable nature of Bayern's back line and the limitations of uh, Boateng. It arguably was a foul from Burkhart in the buildup. Having said that, it was about as... Sunday league of as a goal as you could concede you know just literal long ball over the top guy runs in mm. behind and scores M- moving on and assuming that you know the correct decision was made and that it wasn't a foul yeah Bo- Boateng wh- where's he at because that's not really a-, a Champions League winning defender or you know World Cup winning defender yeah, well, um, performance yeah exactly um it's he's I, th- I think I-, I always have to compare what's going on now with what was happening a few months ago during the Champions League, um, during that, like the Portugal tournament where everybody went to, you know, COVID hotspot Portugal, um, because that's the safe thing to do. It's ridiculous. That's neither here nor there. Um, Basically, Hansi Flick kept the same team for like the last few games. He, He switched out Perisic for Coman in the final but for the most part he had a system that worked and didn't really deviate away from it and that was kind of the case throughout most of the Bundesliga as well once once Bayern had like won the Bundesliga it became a matter of okay we can tinker here like we can play this young guy we can play this guy here and we can give people a rest ahead of uh, ahead of the latter the later games with Boateng in particular he is clearly not reliable enough to play uh, like week in week out but when you see him it, it's 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 such a confusing thing to to discuss because he's both fairly reliable when you don't really expect him to be but then when he starts to become reliable you're like oh this is great he'll be all over the place and will make really bad challenges or like he'll kind of like throw himself about a little bit like he's a very acrobatic kind of guy not necessarily in the same way that you know JJ Okocha was acrobatic or, or Nani was acrobatic more he's just he falls mm. in like a very unacrobatic yeah, and exactly graceful way at the new camp yeah definitely yeah yes that is that is one of them um but then there's also like other cases where he was he was doing it like in I think in the Euros, he was kind of like, how is, I think it was the handball against Italy. He just kind of like threw himself. It was almost like the, is it the the movie poster for Brazil, the Terry Gilliam one, you know, with like the bird with the wings. That's kind of how it seemed. Okay. I did a film degree. I, it's not often that I get to use any form of knowledge that's relevant. So I'm going to try my hardest to get it in. I'm going to Google it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just a bird with wings. I don't know. I don't even know if I've seen that film. doesn't matter. Um, basically, Boateng is somebody that was told at the start of last season, maybe it's a good idea if you found a new team. Like, fairly point blank. I think even Uli Hernes, when he was still the uh, still the president, he said, yeah, Boateng, it is time for him to find a new team. And he was putting an extra training because he's remarkably injury prone there was a time where he would really only get to play about like 70 minutes and then and then would come off but there's there was something about Uli Hernes saying it's time for you to find a new team that kind of like switched something in his head where he's decided 
I'm going to work hard. And he did. And it's great to see somebody that has been such a great servant for the club be so reliable um, for like that Portugal tournament in, in the Champions League. But it is becoming really apparent this can't go on forever. Like he is sadly at the very end of his mm. of his career with Bayern. I think he's still got like a move in him somewhere, probably Italy, because that's that's the thing that people do. Yeah, or maybe the MLS if he's really kind of deciding to cash in earlier. Yeah, well, because so he's he's part of um, is it Rock Nation Sport or Rock Sport is whatever uh, Jay Z's mm. like sports agency is that he was like one of the first I think he was the first footballer uh, to to sign with them so it kind of makes sense for him to go to go stateside um, but this will almost definitely be his last uh, his last season because it isn't just this game it's this game and like lots of highlights from from like other games around it as well yeah he's been uh, faltering in in more recent times as you've mentioned um, but uh, I guess on general Bayern faltering within this game um the second goal came from a free kick which kind of wasn't necessarily how the first half was playing out it was it was a bit of more like I was saying attack versus defense counter-attacking so this was a different goal to concede and again sort of not the best marking I don't know who in particular lost their man but it's um I'm gonna get the name it, it, it was like a it was a combination of like Pavard, Boateng and Muller I think they um they lost Alexander Hack. Yeah. And it was it was a great it was a great header. It's that's like the really frustrating thing about like if I was a Mainz fan, but Mainz didn't deserve to lose 5-2. Um much in the same way that Bayern maybe didn't deserve to win 5-2. They they scored really great goals. They had some amazing chances and when they were given an opportunity, they really took it. So um their second goal was really well worked it was uh, it was a great set piece and it and it worked out well for them yeah i guess um the story of the first half that came pretty much at the end we were you were talking about players like uh, nabry and sane sort of maybe being caught in two minds and that being something that didn't help Bayern in the first half um but in general the attack was quite uh, patchy, uh, I'd say maybe weren't getting players close enough to Lewandowski um, to have like flick-ons and one-twos and players running off of each other. Um, but just in general, uh, Mainz were quite structured and attacked and defended as a team and Bayern seemed to have a bit of a difficult time um, sort of getting communication across or whatnot and uh, being able to defend and attack as a team. What do you think... Well, obviously there were two changes made at halftime, but besides that... Do you think it was, a, a, you know, did those players really come uh, come on Shula and um, Goretzka and like leave such an imprint on the game, or did Flick have words at halftime, or both? I, I think I think it's certainly both. I I don't. So Shula is an, is another person that's been kind of like off form. So he had quite a bad injury, like about a quarter of the way into last season, uh, and then has come back and he's not really looked the same. So he's had like. He's, he's been overweight or he's been just not quite the same sort of like durable guy that he's that he very quickly became known for. I think it's it's more to do with the fact that Yosio Kimmich was moved into a position where he was able to like really impact the way that Bayern were playing. And so this is a this is a conversation that's been going on amongst Bayern fans for pretty much as long as he's been like a starting player for us. Is is he better? as a midfielder or is he better as a right back and sadly the answer is yes he's just really good and he's he's too good in midfield to not have him there but when he's playing as a right back the difference I, I think that was probably like the fundamental difference between how Bayern were in the first half and how they were in the second half because the way that Bayern attack on the wings is very it's kind of asymmetric. So Alfonso Davies can can push up and Pavard, who I think he is like naturally a central defender, can stay further back and everything just kind of like shifts over slightly. But what I, I said to to my friends in the chat from the um from the other podcast, um, my other favorite podcast, um I think having Kimmich as a right back is gonna be the thing that really opens up Sane to be like this really commanding attacker. And that happened. 
Like he was able to score a goal. I'm fairly certain Kimmich got the assist for that. Okay, it was like very much a solo effort of Sane kind of like taking the ball away, doing like a, a very exaggerated Iron Robin impression, which as a Bayern fan, more than happy to see that. But I think the difference wasn't so much who was brought on, but rather who was brought off and who took over. I think having Sula in as Boateng's replacement was fantastic. And I, I think I, I would speak for a lot of other Bayern fans when I say we need to see Sula every single week. Uh, in the starting lineup alongside Hernandez because I don't think Alaba was was brilliant I think he had a couple of moments but I think considering he's like asking for a salary of like 20 million euros a year he needs to not have like a few moments he needs to be the best and and he wasn't Um, but I, I would if I was in charge frustratingly I am not uh, I would be putting Kimmich at right back for the foreseeable future because I think he offers far too much. I don't know. I, every, every time I think about it, I'm like, yeah, but when he's in midfield, that's the thing that works best. It's it's a really difficult it's a really difficult discussion to like come to an answer to, and I don't think anybody has the right the right solution. It's a good problem to have, I suppose. And in terms of today's game, he really was within within the the forty five minutes, of the second half, an absolute re- revelation at, at right back. Um, he got up and down in a way that Pavard didn't in the first half, and to an extent, maybe the game wasn't suited for his creative endeavors in the midfield. He was always going to have more opportunity on the right, given that Sane in front of him likes to come inside. Kimmich found some nice little space on the right hand side to whip in some crosses, and you mentioned him getting what must have been, yeah, probably like a quite basic assist for the Sane goal. He would have had um, another assist just before that. Sane missed, I think, quite an easy chance from inside the six-yard box when Kimmich put put it on a plate for him. And even getting back to Bayern's first goal, um, it's it's a Kimmich goal that he starts from the right, crosses, and then it ends up back at him. And he, you know, he finishes it off. He, he really was probably the, the star guy and maybe the catalyst in, in beginning to turn the game around. But on that note, I believe after Kimmich makes it 2-1, or even before that, perhaps, uh, Latza misses uh, a chance and hits the post, um, which mm. would have made it 3-0. And that might have been game over. Although, given what ended up happening, it probably would have been quite an exciting game uh, had they been able to make it 3-0. But like I said... Um, that doesn't go in. That's kind of the turning point. And then Kimmich makes it 2-1 and then Sane makes it 2-2. Um, once it's at 2-2, you're only going to you know, be backing one team to win it. And Bayern did then take care of the business quite handsomely. Um, how can Flick ensure that he gets 90 minutes of second half from today football from Bayern throughout the rest of the season? Is it realizing that maybe he does have to move on from uh tying himself down to players like Boateng or is it a mentality why are Bayern such slow starters I think I I think this isn't even a problem from from this season I don't think it's a problem with Flick this is something that's been happening for a really long time this has like been going on for a few seasons now so I, I can remember in Jupp Heynckes's last season there was just this period of time where Bayern would concede within like the first like five, 10, like 15 minutes or so, which is like quite a broad range. But if you're conceding first so early on, there's clearly a problem because teams just seem to notice, oh, if we run at these guys, we might have a chance. So Niko Kovac, who I adored, uh, maybe maybe wrongly, maybe maybe not, uh, when he was the manager at Frankfurt, that was his game plan against Bayern in the cup final. He said their their defense is slow, run at them, and that's and it worked perfectly. It was simple, and like Kovac was kind of like vilified for like not having any tactics, but it was simple enough to work. And you had Ante Rebic running at Mats Hummels, and it worked effortlessly. It, it worked so well. So this isn't a new thing. This has been a problem with Bayern for a long time. In my eyes, I think it is a mentality thing. I think teams can see that Bayern are beatable. You can score against them. And if you score against them early, you have the option to, okay, let's just get more. Like we can get one, we can get two, we can get, well, they could have had about, they could have actually got five today, Mainz. 
they, they did a fantastic job but if you can if you can get one you just put everybody back and buy in this this is like a, a, a thought that I've been having quite a lot is seeing how Bayern want to play and how they play best so Bayern want to play like you know prime Barcelona lots of intricate passing like moving the ball like really methodically up the pitch and then getting into like a really dangerous spot and then when you have the opportunity to shoot you instead pass it to another option and then it falls flat Bayern are best when they are attacking at pace going very directly and when you have guys that are as fast as Alfonso Davies, uh, as fast as Sane, Kingsley Coman, even like Kimmich isn't slow and, and Goretzka and Muller and Lewandowski, you've got these guys that can just run. To not utilise it seems wasteful in a way. And may- maybe it's it's lazy to say, OK, just sit back and then we'll counter every single team. But it's it's that discussion of okay do you want really entertaining football or do you want really successful football and I think you can certainly have both but I think there is this there there seems to be this complacency when Bayern start of we're going to win this regardless so let's just let's just see what we can do let's just kind of like feel it out a bit um I I think there's this thing about how Messi hasn't scored in like the first minute of a game or, or something like that. He's scored every minute except for the first one because he spends the first like 10 minutes or so just kind of like walking around analyzing and like, who am I to tell him that that's not the right way to do things? He is quite a bit better than I am, but that's kind of how I feel by an approach games. They want to, they want to like properly look at what they can do in the first five minutes. When you have teams like an underdog, like an underdog, like minds that have that mentality of you know we might not win but let's at least try when you have teams that are just going to be running at your defense if it is as shaky as it as it evidently is that causes problems so I I think it's I think it is certainly an element of mentality but at the same time he is uh, Flick is very dedicated to David Alaba and Jerome Boateng for better or worse mainly for worse it's interesting to hear that it's kind of like you're saying a combination of the tools that he has at his disposal, but then also this kind of quite privileged perspective of sort of being able to play with the handbrake on and know that you could probably pull it out if you need to, but maybe trying to, I don't know, yeah, approach it and achieve the most beautiful outcome if that's like the the first choice. And then if it comes to it, it's like, all right, we'll just, we'll just win it like the old Bayern way if we have to. Um, it's quite interesting, um, even still to hang on this. The um, I think I, I noticed at halftime over the the tannoy in the background of the stadium, they were playing under pressure, which I, I, I had to do that, a double yeah. take, and I was just like, "Is this for real?" Because it's just so you know, like so literal to the point about you know two nil down. Mm. Is that something that they tend to do at the Allianz Arena, or because it don't think so. into the storyline even more of just like they they need the extra pressure to to perform. I thought that was yeah. quite amusing. I didn't realize if it got somewhat lost in translation, but it ended up being like almost perfect. I don't. I don't, I don't think they normally do that. Like I, so I've not been there for. It's like getting on for a year now. Obviously, I wasn't allowed to go. Like, can't travel, can't go to the games. When I've been in the stadium, I don't recall ever hearing under pressure before. Like, not not even like when Bayern have been like trailing at half time. Mm-hmm. They like they like to play Thunderstruck. I've heard Thunderstruck by okay. ACDC a few times, and that's that that's always in. good fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You think the German crowd might might enjoy that. Yeah, no surprises. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess moving on from the equalizer to well, it looked like he went three two up through an own goal, which happened to get ruled out for a marginal offside in the build up, and then mm-hmm. directly after that, Nabry I think has a chance saved. So it's kind of like the pressure is relentless and it's, you know, this third goal, you're knocking at the door, it's going to come. Eventually it does come through Shula actually, who I guess was brought on to shore up the defense. But also when you have somebody that big, he's always going to be uh, an attacking threat from set pieces too. And he managed to bizarrely not score with his, his head or anything like that. He kind of brings it down and, and scores like a left foot half volley. Um, so he did come on and have yeah a massive impact on the game, actually. Um, from there, it's kind of, the expected extra goals. Lewandowski gets in on the act, scores a penalty, scores scores again. Um, does this Bayern side, based off of kind of the quite, yeah, positive performance in the second half, when it is all working together harmoniously, 
have it within itself to outdo the Bayern of last year in some ways? In, in, I think, as I said at the start, on paper it should. Um, I think any, any other season like and any in any other circumstances yes like this team should be able to outperform what it did last year um i think our, our squad is better it's slightly more balanced uh, we have depth where we need it um but i think the the fact that there are so many games it's like a game every 3 days so there's a, there's a thing in in german football called an english woche which is just an English week, which is where you play midweek and then you play at the weekend as well. And it's, it's busy and that's a quintessential English football trait. Um, So it's like, it's very much uh, it's, it's hectic and it's, and it's going on constantly. And you can really see that like the, the winter pause that the Bundesliga had, which is like the break between uh, like just before Christmas and, when it starts again in the new year, normally that's like three, four weeks. It's a, it's a long time. And this was like a week and a half. Um, But you can see just how significant that very short break was to, to a lot of the guys that, that needed it. So as, as I mentioned, people like Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry, they needed a break to, to recover and, and refresh and think, okay, you know, new year, new me. And it seemed and it seemed to work out quite well, even though Gnabry didn't get a goal. I don't think he got an assist either. He looked better. Like he looked like it was no, going sorry, in, in the he, right direction. He get fouled for the penalty. Yes. And like, then he that's went one off of those, injured. Like, default assist. That counts. Yeah, yeah exactly. That counts. That counts in my eyes. But yeah, no, he so he went off injured. Um, which is is a big shame because mm. you don't want somebody to come back looking really, really good. And then instantly get injured again. Is Coman injured too? I didn't. I don't know if I saw him on the bench. I think he was injured, but as like a precautionary right. thing. I think like he got a knock against Leverkusen, I right, believe. Right. Um, but he like he's been he's been fantastic. Like I've never I've never been overly fond of him, but I think the way that he's been playing recently has like really turned it around for not just myself, but for a lot of Bayern fans. We're all we're all very. We're all very proud of what our boy Kingsley's doing. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think he's out for like like a week, maybe. Mm. Well, you do have, you mentioned the depth, like what is it, Musiala, as well as even Douglas Costa, who somehow found his way back to, to Bayern Munich, um, kind of knocking around in the wings. If you were to get injuries in the space of this quite intense schedule um, during this season. So you'd expect Bayern to... I guess, yeah, have too much firepower at the end of the day. We're in, you know, January currently. What is it? Leipzig, I think, have added Soboslai to their squad. Who knows if Dortmund are going to maybe strengthen. Those look like they might be the only two teams capable of even giving Bayern, like, a token, you know, push for the title. Um, Mm -hmm. Are Bayern planning to strengthen in January? No, it's... we The January transfer window, I I think for Bayern, but also, like, the general concept of it is really just if you absolutely need to so I think Liverpool are likely to buy a centre-back because they're missing Van Dijk and they don't really have the depth so like if Fabinho gets injured for them that's kind of it for them like it's they're going to start conceding a lot so I think they're probably going to buy somebody but Bayern don't necessarily need to um, because yeah he had a bad game today but we have Boateng we have Alaba, we have Sula, we have Hernandez, we have we have Pavard, we have. I was about to say we have Bunisar. He's not been in the squad for a few games now, which is fine because I I think the defense is easily our weakest our weakest point by like a considerable margin. But I don't think it's in in terms of we we have depth, but I don't think it's it's anywhere near as strong as it is uh, further up the pitch. I can't see us buying anybody unless somebody gets very badly injured. Well, looking further forward than even this season, perhaps maybe let's look a few, you know, further into the future, two or three years. Um, The squad does have some aging players, uh, the likes of Boateng, Thomas Muller, Lewandowski. Uh, There's, you know, a few more, even probably someone like Manuel Neuer uh, is, you know, getting 
towards the end. Um, when these guys are gone, you have these youngsters sort of waiting in the wings, defensively speaking. There's Sula, there's Hernandez, Davies, um, you know, the, all these young guys. Again, further up the pitch, you still have these youthful players, even someone like, I think, Xerxes um, up top as well coming through. At the end of the day, though, you can't necessarily expect all of these youngsters to live up to their potential. Things happen. Where do you see the next big investment in this Bayern squad being? I think what probably Sane is the biggest name and biggest fee that you've kind of put out there in recent times. And that was obviously, you look at Robin and Ribery over the past few years leaving, something that needed to be addressed. What's going to be the next star signing for Bayern? I think it's becoming apparent that, um, so you mentioned, you mentioned Xerxes. I think of what we've seen, it's apparent that he isn't the guy that's going to take over. He can fill in, but you need somebody that can do more than just fill in. Um, he, he seems to be quite lazy on the pitch, like he doesn't really press very well, um, which is something that Lewandowski's really only added to his arsenal in the past couple of seasons or so, like, so today you saw him like drop really, really deep to collect the ball and, and begin and like begin play. That's not something that you would have seen like a couple of years ago. He would have just stayed up top and then complained when somebody didn't pass to him. He's like really changed, which is is great to see because I, I wasn't a big fan of his for, for a while. But it's only in the last two seasons or so that I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that we have this guy. <laughs> it's it's worked out quite nicely. Um, and so we have... As, as you mentioned, like Neuer's getting older. I reckon Neuer will probably still be around for like the next four years. He would probably, he would, I think, considering how high his peak is, because he's still capable. So as you mentioned, they had, um, when Mainz hit the post earlier, that was a save. Yeah. It, yeah. it, hit, it hit Neuer's hand and he, he got there. He has been responsible for buying, keeping on, like holding on for as long as they can do. But I don't know how long he'll be able to do that for. In my eyes, I would like to see him play for as long as, as Buffon. Well, I'd like to see him play for as long as humanly possible. But I'd like to see him go into his 40s because I think he can do it. Yeah, he had his injury and like he had a bit of problems with his form. But if you see that Bayern are, are conceding goals, so few of them come from, from his problems or like mistakes that he's making. It's it's usually like really great efforts that no keeper could have saved. So I think, you know, two, three years from now, Neuer will probably still be our number one. I, I at least certainly hope that's the case. I think the next big name that Bayern are likely to get would probably be somebody to take over from Boateng and Alaba in the form of Deo Upamecano. Uh, so, he's, so he's at Leipzig. I think he's in the like coming up to the last year of his contract or like maybe he has like two years left but he's he seems to be like the archetypal defender that that Bayern are going are going to need because a lot of people would look at him and say oh he's the next Boateng but I think that's incredibly lazy um I everything that I've seen of him he looks way more like Mats Hummels on the ball he's fantastic at bringing the ball forward he's very calm on the ball he's got great distribution like Boateng has great distribution as well but there was like every couple of games or so when Mats Hummels had the ball he would just dance through defenders like he'd go through the midfield and I would look at it like that's no this isn't supposed to be happening like you're this this doesn't make any sense but like Upamecano has that sort of grace and and ability so that would that would solve like a number of problems in terms of both depth, but also the quality of depth as well. So I think our our starting back line is going to be Davies, Hernandez, Sula, and then a right back. I don't know if that's Pavard or not. Mm. I'm not a big fan of Pavard, but he's only 24, 23, 24. He's still very young, so he has a long career ahead of him potentially all with Bayern but if, if you were to ask me who the next big name is it would probably be Upamecano if if Havertz hadn't gone to Chelsea it might have been him mm. well but I I yeah I, I I'm fine that that that, that didn't right, happen yeah. On retrospect, huh? I guess like mm. from the neutral perspective there's been the likes of 
Hummels, who, you know, once upon a time won the league with Dortmund and then Bayern took him. And that kind of was a double blow for Dortmund trying to mount a, a challenge. Um, likewise, you guys took Goethe and um, now Leipzig, if anything, are kind of potentially emerging as this, this maybe alongside Dortmund, rival to, to Dortmund when it comes to challenging for the Bundesliga. And it, it might be a bit of a shame to see them lose uh, talismanic and y- young player as well, like Apamecano. Um, to, to, to Bayern but these things happen and they've, they've been happening Lewandowski obviously another example of a player being taken from a rival side to kind of double strength and Bayern so it's like this this um, attack and defense mechanism all in one and it's no surprise that you guys have had um, dibs essentially on the Bundesliga for, for so long um, yeah given what well essentially everything that I just I just mentioned is there even a niggling like fear within yours or the minds of any Bayern fans that this, I guess, um, generation almost of uh, domination will not necessarily come to an end this season, but in the foreseeable future, do you see a time when Bayern doesn't win the league every season? It's just such a formality. I think it has to happen eventually because you only need to look as far as teams like AC Milan to see that you can be the biggest team in the world and then it can all come crashing down. I think a lot of that stems from like financial difficulties and the way that Bayern is run. It's run as a business, but by people that understand the business of football. Um, so that that's unlikely to happen. We're unlikely to fall in, in like financial hardships. In terms of we're not going to be able to attract star players anymore, I think there's going to be quite a big, it's like something quite significant would have to happen for that to happen. Because I think you can see Manchester United, all it took was uh, Alex Ferguson retired and left. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of falls apart. I think Bayern not getting so attached to to one guy. So it, I've kind of I've said this like a couple of times before, but it kind of disappointed me that Guardiola didn't stay for longer. And when I anytime I see anything about him signing an extension with Man City, it's always a little bit frustrating because I'm like, why didn't he want to go? Why didn't why didn't he want to go longer with us? But now I look back and I think that's the right thing to do because as soon as you hold on to that, then once it's gone, you just lose any identity. And I'm sure like as an Arsenal fan, you are able to, to empathise with that. Like you have, I, I, I don't know if you were Wenger in or Wenger out, but I know a lot of people that, that were Wenger out and are now thinking, oh, maybe he wasn't the only problem here. I kind of sat on the fence conveniently. And um... yeah. But it still hasn't really helped either way. The consequences are, they are what they are. Yeah, no, I can definitely empathize. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, Flick looks like he's not necessarily going anywhere or letting up in terms of his uh, intensity and his expectations of the squad anytime soon. So we'll see. Although, um, do you think, I guess, one thing that might be tempting to Flick, given his history, and I think we spoke about it the last time we had you on as the assistant to uh yogi love is the germany job potentially although the manager currently i don't know how long he's been in the job for probably 15 years maybe it was 2007 i think okay so 13 years um again like you said far too long especially considering how many times we've seen him pick pick his nose and all all those other things on the sideline Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think that that will appeal to Flick and potentially maybe given the uh, like outcome of upcoming tournaments, if Germany don't perform, maybe maybe Lowe will lose his job and, and Flick will be like the guy that the German FA wants to come for? Or is he saving that for, you know, much later down the line? I, I honestly have no idea. So he, so he you was. Don't have, you don't have a personal relationship with, uh, with Hansi. So give us a <laughs> No, I, I've, I've been meaning to, to talk to him for a while, but. Um... Sadly, I don't speak German very well, so it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I really have no idea. I, I saw something recently that like the, the plan was for Jurgen Klopp to do his seven years at Liverpool and then take over as Germany manager. 
I'd be more than okay with that. I there's there's part of me that really really wants to dislike Jurgen Klopp as somebody that is friends with Liverpool fans. But there's there's just this other part of me that thinks, "Oh, but he is a nice guy though." Like he's he's a very he's a very likable person. He's nice when it's he like, wins. Yeah, it's like anytime it's like anytime Mourinho isn't managing a team, you're like, "Oh, he's great." Like what a great guy this is. Hmm. Um so I would I would love to see that happen. Um, I think like to kind of like go back to your previous question, Bayern are always very good at like planning long term. Um, so like even when you know disaster struck and we had Nico Kovac and we were sat in seventh place, we were never people were talking about it as if it was like the end of the world and we were facing relegation. We were so far away from like doom and gloom yeah it wasn't great but a lot has to go wrong for that to happen so I think if if Hansi Flick does want to to leave after after this season or next season or in like six years time somehow something will just fall into place and maybe that is Jurgen Klopp will be free like there's there's an element of luck there's an element of yeah, this was the plan all along. Um, I, I think, like, should uh, should Hansi Flick go? And I think the next the next name down would probably be Jurgen Klopp. If, you know, he leaves, I think is it this season or the next season he's likely to leave Liverpool? I, I don't really know. If it's not him, then Julian Nagelsmann is a Bayern fan. So that's, there's that working in his favour as well. And has, he's kind of shown enough to suggest yeah, he can probably do this at a bigger club. I think his career trajectory is is the right one, is probably what Niko Kovac should have done because instead he went from like one to nine, mm. whereas Nagelsmann was at like, okay, here's one, let's go for a five. Let's just like build it up slightly more slowly. But I don't know, it's, um, it's entirely up to him and sadly I have no influence on his life. If I did, I probably would have told him to stop playing Jerome Boateng by now. Right, right. <laughs> well, I guess um, on Klopp, that's a nice link to to Mainz, who we, we haven't really, I guess, uh, paid too much attention to um, uh, compared to Bayern so far. Um, my, he was obviously quite a famous player for them once upon a time. And uh, another Liverpool and, and Mainz link would be a, a less kind of favorable one. What Lars Karius, <laughs> he shares the same, the same history. Of course. But, yeah. But uh, let's yeah dwell on Mainz for a moment. Um, they were what second bottom going into the game. Um, typically to my knowledge are kind of what, like a mid table team in the Bundesliga, maybe like a low mid table team. Um, yeah. They have quite a young side with some prospects in it, like um, the goal scorer, the first goal, uh, was it Burkhardt? And um, I think uh, in in defense, they have a Dutch player, St. Juiced, the goalkeeper is a youngster. Um, even Botius is, I think, in his prime now, but was a prospect once upon a time, I think, at Feyenoord. Um, what do you make of them? Are they going down? Uh, they had a good first half and a terrible second half today. Um, What's like the general shape up of the Bundesliga this season? Or who, who's get who's going down? Um, the you know the title Schalke. looks like it's good. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Schalke, I guess. I, I can I can say that with some certainty. You think Schalke so? is? Yeah, I, I nothing. Mm. It would take an absolute miracle for them to to even get to like the playoff position. The is that bigger, that's bigger than like a Hamburg or a Stuttgart being relegated, right? Kind of. I think because Hamburg had kind of like always flirted with the idea of relegation before eventually saying, yeah, we're done here. Let's let's go down. And uh, and Stuttgart, again, that was very much kind of like a gradual decline. Um, for Schalke, they finished second a couple of years ago. Like they had they had a really good team. They had well, they had Goretzka, they had. They had Max Meyer, and that doesn't necessarily count for much now. Yeah, Crystal Palace fame. Yeah, I think he's playing with their second team now, which which is a huge shame because, like, at one point, him and Goretzka were, he, yeah, they were they were fantastic for uh, Germany's. It wasn't the Olympic team. I think it was like in the Confederations Cup. They were both yeah. doing fantastic things. They even in, had in a Dra- Draxler as well. 
yeah, this is a this is a team that's been able to produce guys like um well they kind of like bring to the forefront guys like Manuel Neuer, Meza Ozil, uh Rakitic, uh like Huntelaar played for them. Yeah. Um Raul. like Leroy Sane. Raul for some reason was at Schalke. Yeah. It's like a great pub quiz question. Like, oh yeah, Raul was in the Bundesliga. <laughs> but they, they've always been able to produce really talented guys. And and as you mentioned, like Draxler isn't is no exception to that. But there's just something about this season or and like 2020 as a whole, where just nothing went well for them. It was just free fall. So they had but which is is so strange considering they did so well at only a couple of seasons ago when they had Domenico Tedesco was their manager and it just didn't, it didn't really work. Like they lost both Goretzka and Max Meyer. And so then, then I kind of have to think, okay, well, how, how crucial were just those two guys? Like how crucial were these two, the two 11ths? But apparently they were. Um, it's, it's very sad. It's sad it's kind of one of those things where you just you watch it happen and you're like, oh, you you don't you don't want to see it because mm. it, it's just it's just quite upsetting. Um, but sadly, that is that is just the way that it will work. I I hope that they come back um, like very very quickly. Well, ideally, I hope that they can they can stay up because that would be a nice little fairy tale story. Um, but it's not looking at all likely. As for Mainz, if they can if they can play against other teams as intensely as they did against us in the first half, they'll climb up the table. So I can't remember how, um, how close the bottom of the table is. Schalke have got four points. Mainz have got six. Bielefeld have got 10. So there is, there is like a gap that's like still to make up, but it's not insurmountable. Like Bielefeld aren't a good team. Um, so they're, they're likely to drop points, uh, to well to anyone really um but i would judging from today's performance i would like to see Mainz stay up um or at least get to the playoff battle um because i think it's the, the way that they played and as you mentioned like they've got a lot of they've got a lot of young guys their keeper this was his bundesliga debut and conceding five goals okay that sounds like one thing but it's a completely different story in his Bundesliga debut, he has to face off against Lewandowski, Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, Müller. That's not easy. Yeah. And he did a fairly good job. He made some good saves. His distribution was good. It's it's a shame to see that scoreline get attached to uh, to a team that, quite frankly, didn't deserve to lose 5-2. If, if they got a point, I don't think anybody would have complained. It was like fully deserved. They came out, they attacked. They they wanted to play good football. And for the most part, I think they did a good job of doing that. Yeah, we mentioned the chance to make it 3-0 that Neuer got his hand to. And then even uh, Robin Quaison hit the like a thunderbolt that bounced off the underside of the bar. So yeah, they could easily have had four goals. Quaison takes me mm. back to... Um, football manager I used to sign him when he played for Palermo and he would always do a job for me and even just thinking about Schalke I guess the silver lining of them being relegated is it's always quite fun to play as that like big club in like the second division if like a football manager or or a FIFA just take them up and bring them back to the glory Mm. days so maybe something for Schalke fans to look forward to um as a silver lining a very very uh, I'm I'm sure they'll be thrilled yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know once they're in that situation they might they might see it differently but yeah, hopefully they don't get there. I guess um, as far as this yeah game for today, we've pretty much picked picked the bones uh, out of it and looked, I guess, a little further ahead as far as Bayern and the, the Bundesliga season. So thanks so much, Tim, for um, for helping me along the way and giving me your more expert insight than mine as somebody who does have um, uh, an eye on the Bundesliga quite closely. So appreciate that. It's a, it's a pleasure as always to have you. Hope you've uh, enjoyed yourself. Do you have anything coming up in the world of Bavarian tweets. I guess that's kind of just like in the moment, but otherwise you've got the Bayern pod, you've got, it's about football this time. What's going on in 2020, 2021. I I wanted to, I want to be like, I've got loads of great new things coming on. I don't have anything. I've got nothing. I've got nothing planned. It's just going to be more of the same. Um, Like we're going to be doing the podcast and 
that's going to so I, I, we've been talking today about it it's going to be more match analysis and like player reviews and talking about like latest news i think we're going to eventually branch out into more like nebulous concepts of like discussions about you know what like entire episodes based around like one topic maybe or like obviously we've got i think we average like a, quite a few quite a few downloads um every week and we've got a good following on twitter and we are fairly active on twitter all of us so if anybody has suggestions of things they want to hear i'm not doing anything so let me know um i want to be making i'd like to be making more videos uh this year um i'm currently writing something about chelsea which is is really hard to do without being horrendously biased (laughs) um but i'm i'm trying um but yeah i'm about I'll be here doing something. Well, we'll be in, in touch again, surely, because we yeah, always enjoy having you on. Until then, um, thanks again, Tim. As far as our listeners, if you want to kind of stay up to date with what we have going on, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. That's at United Mates FP. And then uh, YouTube, if you want to put some faces to the voices, that is United Mates Football Podcast on YouTube. Until next time, uh, we said Happy New Year at the end of the, the last pod, the kind of wrap up of 2020. But it's, I think, not a, like faux pas still to say Happy New Year. We're within the, the first week of it. So Happy New Year again. Hope everyone's having a nice 2021 and hasn't sprained their ankle as badly as I have or at all, hopefully. Um, but otherwise, until next time, yeah, take care of yourselves and uh, take care of each other too. Goodbye.